This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the, the voice, voice of, of Harlem. Harlem. And we are talking about the wage gap. Poor people want to get paid more money. They're so selfish. They should. And if you're just tuning in, welcome to the show. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley, Alyssa, and Jason. And if you guys want to chime into the show, you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. And remember, you can call us up at 212-650-6903. Got him. What? <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you guys. Um, how would you feel if you walked into your job Monday morning and your boss called for a meeting and he was like, guess what, guys? I'm taking a drastic pay cut. And you know what? Everyone is going to get a substantial pay increase. Some of you guys are even going to get double your salary simply because you work for me. You're the real MVP. <laughs> That's what I would say. Would that be your response? I would hug my boss. Well, I, I was like. So I would not hug my boss. No. I, I would, would just be, say thank you. I would be so happy about that. It would make you want to work more. You would be more productive, oh, right? I'm not it working more. I'm getting oh, a yeah, raise definitely. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely. I, would, I would definitely want to work more and be more productive for that person, especially if they were taking into account that um, this is money I really need to live. Right. Exactly. And it would increase your morale at the office, and it would definitely change the work setting and the work culture. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate this 30-year-old millennial boss. His name is Dan Price in Seattle. And this is exactly what he did last Monday. He owns a company called Gravity Payments. And you know what? So many people started applying after this video went viral. So he actually filmed himself talking to his um, 120 employees at the company and telling them everyone will start getting paid $70,000. Starting now, everyone's salary is going to jump to 50000 if it's not there already. And then by 2017, you'll get you'll make um, 70000 And you know what? My $1 million a year salary is getting cut to 50 this year and then by 2017 I'll be making 70,000. I only have a dog. I'm single. I don't need all that money. Okay. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, was, okay. I was looking at you. He pulled a Warren Buffett. <laughs> okay, that's all. Th- this guy, these millennials, this is all BS. This is crap. What? But it's his you money. You don't agree? That's no, the I would, market. Jason, yeah. what, what do you think about this? I'm going to tell you what I think about that. What do you think that. about that? I think he's creating false uh, perceptions for people. First of all, Warren Buffett did this stuff 50 years ago. He said, I don't need that much money. He has set his salary at $250,000 for the last 30 years. He is, has a multi-billion dollar company in Berkshire Hathaway. People are compensated very well. You can mix it, match it, package it however you want to. But once again, this is, this is a private employer who's able, through his own largesse and you know, charity, provide this service or provide this compensation for his workers. So he's, it's not realistic for everyone else necessarily. So what you're wait saying till, is wait trickle down doesn't work, right? I, I, I never, I'm not a believer in trickle down, so don't try to hit me with but that. No, 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 I know, but I'm just, but that's that's really the key here. Even if you're not a believer, when we, the idea of trickle down is the idea that if you give CEOs tax breaks and they have more money in their own pocket and their mm-hmm. business makes more profits, then they will decide to trickle this money down to the employees. Guys, I, I'm going to tell you what right? I, as a, as a person. So that's you, what he's doing, so, and but and everybody's saying it's a bad idea. So everybody, mostly Republicans, maybe not you, mostly Republicans are saying this is a bad idea. So to me, that's Republicans admitting that trickle down doesn't work because it's a bad idea. You're selfish, Alyssa and Selena. So let me tell you why. Because you know what? Two years ago, I had a job at this big corporation, and one day I saw my boss come up in a Mercedes Benz, and I said, "That's a beautiful car." And he goes, "You know what? It is, and it's brand new. And if you work hard enough and apply yourself, I can buy a newer one next year." <laughs> And that is why trickle-down economics works. Everyone, Jason. that boss was not me. 
I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> it wasn't Jason. <laughs> it wasn't Jason. Be sure to say that. Thank no, you for no, clarifying. No. I mean, please, please clarify that for people. Um, no, no, no. Um, I, I do understand. I know this is all going to segue into the greater discussion of the wage debate. However, ultimately, as someone who has owned a business, as someone who's worked for people, um, I think that we are missing the point. We believe that by raising the wage to a certain degree, we're going to help people get out of poverty. That's not going to help people get out of poverty. And no, I'm not sticking up for trickle-down economics. <laughs> but there's another way that we can go about that. But we can get into that. In the I definitely want to get into that. I understand we have a caller on the line. Yes, we do. Um, who would like to let their voice be heard. A Dallas Cowboys fan at that. So I'm not sure yes. if I put him on air. <laughs> who, who's on the line? Hey, y'all. It's Taman. How's it Taman. going? Taman. Hey. Uh, howdy, y'all. I, I, well, Taman's <laughs> in Texas now, so I want to give him a big old howdy. And Taman can't find a good bagel. Taman, how are you enjoying the yeah, black hole? It's been driving me crazy. I do need a New York bagel, and I need to go to a New York deli, which has been driving me crazy. Taman, how are you enjoying gonna... the black's only water fountains? <laughs> Taman. Well, that's Indiana, not Texas. Taman, I'm going <laughs> to ship you a bagel, but you got to pay me five times what it's actually worth. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the free well, market. I'll, I'll, you know, that's I'll the free market, that. right? Give me, one for, give me one from A&S. I got the supply, <laughs> and you're, it's in demand, so I can charge what I want for it, right? <laughs> you can. You can, you can, you can do that. So, so Taman, <laughs> um, I'm no, while you called in, um, I just wanted to let everyone know. So, Taman actually tweeted us um, some, some really good comments. He says that minimum wage will hurt the poor more than it will help, and our favorite black Republican, Jason, just made that same comment. So, Taman, you're on the line. The floor is yours. Why are you saying, and why did you tweet us that helping you know, giving people slaving um, at McDonald's in retail. Um, how, how does giving them a fair living wage hurting them? Well, I think that you have to look at how economics works. I think that when you look, when you give somebody a wage a raise, you have to earn a wage raise. You don't. You're not, it's just something that's not given to you. It's something that has to go based on your skill. It has to go based on the business's payroll. And if the business doesn't have that wage, it hurts more than it helps. It can be replaced. For example, if I work at McDonald's, if I'm an owner of McDonald's, if I want to replace you with a computer so people order their food like you do at Chili's, I could easily do that if I wanted to. If I'm a smaller business, for example, a smaller restaurant or whatever, yeah, the wage goes up. But if I don't have that money, I could easily cut the, uh, cut the payroll, cut scheduling. Something else is going to have to make up for it. And it also goes with inflation. If you uh, if you put a raise on the on the uh, wage of the workers, then the um, then the wage then the the prices are going to go up because the businesses are going to try to allocate the lost money. I just wanted to say something with respect to inflation. I mean, and there may be a significant argument for why it shouldn't the minimum wage shouldn't be raised above a certain point for the reasons you point out that, you know, there is differences between people's skills and what they get paid to do certain things. But my biggest issue right now is that the minimum wage hasn't tracked inflation. You mentioned inflation, inflation, you know, because basically inflation is because we print more money. A dollar today is worth less than what a dollar was back in the 70s. But when we don't track minimum wage with inflation, then we have a situation where the minimum wage today, which is federally speaking, is seven twenty five. If it tracked with inflation, then the minimum wage would be ten seventy four. So my argument is, you know, in some ways I do agree with you. Certain people, they didn't go to law school, they shouldn't get paid as much as I get paid because I'm an, I'm a lawyer. But at the same time, they shouldn't get paid less than what they should be getting paid because the minimum wage hasn't tracked with inflation. So my thing is at the very minimum minimum wage has to be 
equivalent to what it would be to, in the 70s today, and that would make it 1074. Ooh, and she said your breath stinks. Um, Taman, I want to give Taman <laughs> a chance to respond, then we'll get Jason in there, who I know probably wants to say something. Taman, did you have a response? Well, yeah. I, 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 I don't know if it's necessarily a response. It just goes to the allocation of what authority does government have over um, businesses' payrolls. I mean, that's, uh, that's something that you have to ask yourself. I mean, we... I mean, you guys know me. I'm a conservative. I don't want the government involved in my personal life. What involvement does the government have in a person or what uh, authority does the government have in a person's finances? I mean, a business is owned by a person. That person has the right to their finances. So what authority does the government have to uh, uh, what authority does the government have to pose a mandate on a business on a private business? Um, Jason? Hey, David, you, you, you should have seen the looks on our faces. Okay, I'm going to tell you something right here. As, as a fellow, I, I guess, I, I'm not sure if you're registered a Republican, but let's use conservative uh, as a title. Uh, I can't agree with you with this, what authority does government have. You sound like you're bordering on this sovereign citizen movement, okay? Uh, government has complete purview and jurisdiction when it comes to regulation of commerce. To go back to what you were saying, though, about raising the minimum wage, I agree with you. And then I, this is one of these rare nexus of shared agreement between all of us. We should be tracking the, the minimum wage with inflation. Raising it up to $15 an hour is egregious. And how the hell is a small business going to keep up with that? Has anybody thought about that? I mean, a big corporation can do it. McDonald's and all this other stuff can do that. But, uh, no, no, I, I think that it'll, it'll be another nail in the coffin for small businesses. I'm going to say it right now. Affordable Care Act has been disastrous for a lot of small businesses. I mean, many, many people I know who have advised businesses on. They've been cutting hours, cutting wages, cutting positions, doing whatever they can so they don't have to comply with the mandate. If you tell them in New York State, oh, you've got to pay $15 an hour, I'm telling you, you're going to have a, a, a upswell of business migration out of the state as well as um, greater unemployment. And that's what I was saying earlier about raising the wage, particularly in the state, is not going to help people get up. It's going to help. More, it's going to assist in greater poverty because those low-skilled jobs – primarily are employed by, you know, uh, I mean, small businesses are the major employer, but those low-skill jobs are in the small business sector. I would like to jump in, and it's going to sound like I'm siding with Jason and Tamon, but I want to be very clear about something. Raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour is, A, not a good idea, and, B, ridiculous. Let's discuss why. Because in some place like Arizona, if you make $11 an hour, you can live a very comfortable life. So depending on what state you're in, the wage does not have to go up that high. To raise it to something about $9 to $10 an hour is a great idea. But if you raise it to $15 an hour, we're still not we're still not discussing or dealing with the issue of overpriced rent. Like in New York, in this area, the average cost of rent is $2,500 a month. That's, it's not addressing that issue at all. And then also... The the $15 wage increase is for fast food workers, places like McDonald's and Burger King, which I think if you did that, even though I'm, I'm, I'm shaking on whether I think that they, they need that much of an increase, but McDonald's and Burger King and pizza and all, those, and all those places can afford it. McDonald's would have to raise the most expensive meal up by 63 cents if they wanted to make back the money they lost with raising the minimum wage. I mean, I'm just curious to see if the, the, the rest of the panel, obviously, and anybody who's listening and wants to call in, uh, what happens if there was a proposal for a two-tiered minimum wage, whereas that would be based on, I don't know, I guess maybe a combination of some some formula that would determine essentially whether you're a small business or a large business. And we would say if you fall into this category, then you would have to pay a minimum wage of this. But if you fall into this category, then you'd have to pay a minimum wage of this. Or would that not work economically speaking? Because then it would create the same types of problems like with the Affordable Care Act, where people would be trying to lay people off or whatever so that they could fall into 
category A instead of B. Jason. No, no, I, I agree with you because people do that. Well, business owners, let me not use the term people. What we get into the Citizens United designation there, right? Right. Um, no, business owners already do that. And you're absolutely right. They do that with every other mandate and requirement as required by the federal government. People find a way if they're C Corp, how to be an S Corp. If they got to do Affordable Health Care Act, they find some way where they don't have to do it. So even if you create a two-tier system, they're going to fi- find a way to allocate themselves into this area or the sector where the government mandate is less injurious to that particular party or uh, business. So, no, absolutely, Stan, jump in. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, but and also the people who get hurt the most now are small businesses who, because they hired one additional person because they wanted to employ the community, now the government's like, oh, you're not a small business anymore, pay us double. Um, no, can, can, I, can, can I add something real quick, just because um, yeah. I'm listening, I had a great sure. conversation and everything, and, and it's interesting, because I, I thought Stanley brought up a good point, because he was talking about the cost of living in different states. Uh, you know, I would, uh, you know, uh, bring up the point to why there is uh, such a big difference in cost of living uh, across different states. But I would also add that let's take $15 an hour in New York City. Let's say you're making that. I think most people can make the argument that that's in New York City, if you're living in New York, that's not enough to even – we keep hearing this, uh, this notion of to live off of. In New York City, $15 an hour is not enough to live off on. That's about so 30000 a year. So it's like again, if you're making eleven or twelve or thirteen dollars, there's going to be this allocation from other companies saying, "Well, why don't I get a raise? Why don't I get it? Why, why don't I get a? Should I get a seven dollar raise too? Why does my raise only go up two or three bucks? Why everybody else went up seven dollars? I mean, you will have or you know seven or six, seven, eight dollars. So you have that. You're going to have that allocation. You're going to have that backlash. And I think I, I personally believe that there's other ways because there's different balances of economics. There's different, you know, in, in different states. Some states are doing worse economically than others and the solution is is oh well let's raise this let's raise that quite frankly you guys know me i'm a small government guy i think lower taxes less spending is a better way but i mean you know you're going to have that type of backlash with a seven dollar increase from one group of people compared to another Right. And, 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 and I think and that's why and, and this is something that you'll agree with because it's a Tenth Amendment argument. That's exactly why we have a, a federal minimum wage that's not fifteen dollars an hour that, as far as I'm concerned, should be ten seventy five, which is the same as seven twenty five adjusted for inflation. And then each individual state can decide on their own whether they want to go higher. New York City wants to go higher because the cost of living is higher there. They have the right to do that. They just can't fall below the ten seventy four federal minimum. Which, as I said, is just the 725 with an inflation adjustment. Right. Um, so, we, we have Miss um, Deborah on the line who would like to chime in about the wage debate. Uh, good afternoon, Miss Deborah. Yes, yes. Listen, I just want to ask something. Because I, I was just sitting here thinking if, if, if the people, for example, in McDonald's cannot get a $15 an hour wage and things continue to get worse. Where would you, what would you have them do and where would you have them go? Because I hear a lot of people talk about, well, you know, these are young people. As if young people don't have needs. This whole ageism thing is getting on my nerves anyway, okay? Because everybody has to eat. Everybody needs to have a place to stay. Where would you have people go? Um, that's a very good question, Ms. Deborah. And again, guys, if you want to call in, the number is 212-650-6903. Um, you know, just to add in, the average 
fast food worker is not just a regular teenager as we imagine. The average age is what, 27 Tw- right now? 28 years 28 old. 28 years old. Worker, and, and they're the college graduates. Exactly. And so think about it. If you have these 28-year-old adults, college grads, who have to pay back all this tuition, working 40 hours a week, and they cannot sustain, they cannot feed their family, then something needs to be done. Jason, did you no, want to no, respond no, to this, Deborah? Well, I want to respond in this respect. Uh, you know, no one here is assigning or ascribing to people who are working in these particular jobs that you should just be sort of, you know, consigned to the netherworld of never being able to survive in the city. Broke but city. we have to recognize something when it comes to this, okay? And this is going to get a little personal for me. My, my parents are immigrants. My father came here, started as a damn janitor, okay? Now, what he did, like millions of us do who come here, you acquire the skills in order to get a better job. Now, I'm not saying that everyone necessarily has an opportunity, and we need to make it accessible. We need to make the resources equitable and uh, accessible to all people who want to achieve that. However, we should not get in the business of subsidizing people who don't want to achieve anything. I mean, well, I, I feel like that might not be a fair assessment, because how do you know they don't well, want well, to achieve anything? Saying. We don't know. We, we don't, don't know. If we make the access to those resources right. more available and equitable, then that is the, the deciding factor. That's and, the deciding factor. And I agree with you. We do have to go to break, um, but before we do no I agree with you there Jason but I just think that what do we do in the interim what do we do in the meantime because right we need to uh, to improve our education system we need to make sure there's fair access for every child so that they can have upward mobility but the thing is what about their parents who can barely afford to feed them when they get home like we have to do something right now so I mean that's what I was saying and guys if you want to call in again we're getting a lot of phone calls this is the time to call in the number is 212-650-6903 you can also tweet us at beheard underscore radio and we're taking a quick break but don't go anywhere because we have more with the wage debate on let your voice be heard hey y'all We are uh, back. Are you singing? You're not let singing? Let your voice be heard radio. No. Okay. And you can call us at 212-650-6903. This is Stanley Fritz with Selena Hill, Alyssa Fuchs, and Jason. Eligio. Eligio. Yes, right. And we are talking about the wage gap. And let me tell you something. If you want to fix America, pay me $100,000 a day, and I will fix all of our problems. How will you do that, Stanley? By drinking whiskey and playing video games. And I believe that part. Um, So we are back, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Um, We're talking about the wage debate. Very heated this conversation, very heated discussion. Um, I wanted to bring the conversation here earlier this year in January. I think it was 21 states actually did raise minimum wage. Alyssa brought that up, that all states should have the ability um, and the right to raise their wage according to, you know, accordingly. Um, But the government, the federal government, has refused to act. Congress has refused to act. We know that President Obama wanted to raise the wage to, I think it was 10.75, and he made the proposal, but Republicans just didn't do anything why why is it that i mean this this is such a hot button issue and it's something that the american people want and um if you survey them why is it that congress isn't acting well two reasons one because they're not going to do anything to work with the black guy and two because they're not going to do anything cooperate with him in any way unless they absolutely have to because if you raise the wage that's just that's just another notch to his legacy they don't want to do that. So they'd rather hurt the American people than have President Obama, Obama succeed. Yes, because then they can blame him for the problems like they've been doing for the last seven years. Blame Obama. Right. I mean, but also you have to think out the alternatives, which is if Congress isn't going to act and the Congress isn't going to at least come up to 1074, uh, the adjusted rate, which I keep repeating because 
it's where the minimum wage really should be as far as I'm concerned, then people are going to have to take other proposals. That's why I think it's so important to look at organizing that's going on. I mean, and, and there's an, this is an argument to be made that conservatives should agree with. If people get together and they lobby their employer to pay them more and the employer says, yes, I'm going to pay you more, that's the free market. That's not the government stepping in and telling the employer what to do. If a CEO, like the guy at Gravity Payment, says, I want to cut, take some of the money out of the profits that my company's making, and I I want to cut my own salary and I want to trickle down this money to my employees, uh, then again, that's the free market. So, you know, and those are proposals that conservatives should say, hey, yeah, that is the free market. And so if people want to do that, I may disagree with them personally, but I'm okay with that because it's not the government stepping in and doing it. Right. No. um, Jason, did you want to say something? No, no, no. All I was saying to myself is that... um you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about government intervention and, and, and the free market economy. But I, I think we're still losing the nugget of the discussion is really how, how practical or implementable is this sort of idea. I, I mean, once again, I, I, I would love to see the Congress implement something that tax the minimum wage to the realities of inflation in this country. Right. But what I, I am thoroughly concerned about the majority of businesses in this country. I think 75 to 80 percent of the businesses in this country are small businesses. Right. How can they actually sustain that? That's on my mind. No, and, and that's a that's a really good question and point to make. But I also wanted to point out that since the recession from 2009 to 2012, the Economic Policy Institute found that average income for the top 1 percent has grew 36.8 percent, whereas for the rest of us, it's been falling for um by point four percent so i mean like i under i understand like the arguments made on the other side of half but we still have this ever increasing and ever widening wage gap and one way to address that from my opinion as well but this is what i think is by raising them and giving them a fair wage You're you know about another a way to address that right. is another thing that republicans don't want to do because redistribution is scary or something. But as you know, almost 99%, or maybe you don't know, almost 99% of the wealth in this country is held by the top 1% and 2% of people in this country, whereas the bottom 98% of us hold only about 1% of the wealth. So if you really want to talk about how to solve the problem of income inequality without necessarily having to raise the wage higher than the adjusted inflation rate, then you could say, well, right now we have seven tax brackets, seven. Back when Ronald Reagan was president, there was like 10 tax brackets. Back when Eisenhower, a Republican, mind you, was president, there was something like 15 tax brackets. And when you had that many tax brackets and the aggregation was done in a much more reasonable and fair way compared to it is now, look at the highest tax bracket now. It's $433,000 and above. That's it. And above. So you could be making four billion dollars a year and you're paying the same in taxes as somebody who makes four hundred thousand thirty three dollars because there's no aggregation. And so then what you do is if you make more tax brackets and you re-aggregate it and you change the percentages for everybody, then people at the very, very top are, yes, going to be paying more, but somebody who makes $400,333 is actually going to be paying less. And you have to re-aggregate the whole entire tax bracket from the top down. Uh, and then you'll grow the economy from the bottom up if you do that because you'll have more m- people in the bottom will be paying less taxes. So that's another way that you can deal with this that does involve government intervention, but we can't do that either because 
God forbid we raise taxes on the wealthiest, wealthiest people in the country. And I'm not talking about the corporate tax code because that's a whole other animal, as I'm sure. Oh, Jason yeah, yeah. I, I thought you knows. were chiming in about the effective tax rate for corporations, which is still number one in the world, right. in the developed world, you know, whatever that no, means. No, I'm talking right? about the individual tax You're talking about the in, individual tax break. I mean, you're absolutely right. Once again, though, uh, you know, it wouldn't offset the issue of wage inequality or wage injustice, if you want to put it that way, because that money would have to go back into the government coffers. And how would they distribute that? Right. So uh, we addressed um, some solutions. We talked about what some um, private business owners are doing. Um, Melissa just gave another example of something that could be done that could help the um, increasing um, wage gap. But I wanted to know, what do you guys think everyone should receive like the same wage increase? And if not, how do we create rates um, to help for people who work in these wages. Wages. Well, these wages. So the question is why are they work in these places because there are not enough jobs, and the jobs that are out that people don't have the experience for. So what the government could do is a two, two prong strategy: one, raise the wage to inflation rates, ten seventy four an hour, and then also invest in more training for people to get these things. So one of the things that we do at my job, we act for environmental justice, is that we offer these worker trainings, and we get community members certified in OSHA and um some and other and other construction certifications, and then we help them find jobs. So, and these are, these are people in the community who want to work but did not necessarily have the experience. But now they can go to a, a construction company and say, I have these certifications, hire me, and that can happen. And that's just one thing that we do, and we can't do as much as we like to because it's, you know, it's, it's a strenuous process. Right. And listen, this also sort of goes back to our first segment, which is the number one factor, I, I'm pretty sure, in how much money you're going to make over the course of your life is your level of education. And yeah. so education yep. is supremely important. And, and yes, people who have educations are working in some of these, uh, they're underemployed, as we'll call it. They're employed, but they're not working in a job that meets their education level. And that is a separate issue that we could spend a whole segment on. But ultimately, the point is whether your education is more in a skills job, such as a vocational school, or whether your education is more the higher level of education you have, whether it's a regular course of education or a skills course of education through uh, vocational training that lets you do those kinds of skill-based jobs, the higher your able to earn. And so the focus has to come back to how much money the government is spending on putting into education and education standards and getting people educated and educated in the jobs that exist today, not the jobs that existed in the 1970s, because I think that's a big way uh, on top of the things we've already mentioned about the minimum wage um, in increasing people's wages over time. Jason, final words? No, I'm I'm on board. Solutions. Okay. Once again, we're going to reiterate this. Increase the minimum wage to the to 1074 as it would be federally implemented. The second part of it has already been touched on. We need to in- reintroduce vocational training. When you talk about college graduates who are serving in McDonald's or Starbucks or whatever the heck they're doing, I assure you they studied in something that has no applicability in this economy. And that is the problem. You talk about OSHA. I'm OSHA guy. I, yeah, I, I got an engineering degree, all that nonsense, right? But I still had to do OSHA. I still had to do hazardous materials and all that good stuff. I have technical skills that are useful and employable. That is the problem when it comes to people who are overeducated in those jobs. When it comes to people who are not as educated, the issue is access. They need access. But I assure you many of those people will get, can achieve it if they want it. Yeah, and and just to respond to that really quick, and, you know, sometimes that means, and I'll give you an example. Right now, for every one, uh, I'm sorry, for every 10 nurses, I'm sorry, there's a, for every one nurse, there's like 30 jobs. But for every one lawyer job, 
there's 30 lawyers that want to fill it. So it's also about going into fields where jobs exist. Right now, the best field you can go into is nursing because there's yeah. lots and lots of jobs and there's not a lot of people that want to fill them. And one of the worst jobs you could go into, I hate to say it, is being a lawyer because there's no jobs and there's lots and lots of lawyers that want right. that, want to fill them. So that's another big thing Just that we have to focus well, on. Pay Alyssa well, to be your lawyer. Well, speaking of healthcare, that that industry is actually um, one of the fastest growing industries in America right now, but it just so happens to be that many of the workers are making $10 an hour, especially if they're taking care of the elderly or the sickly. And these are, you know, that job, even though we don't value it in society, that's something that we all can personally relate to. I mean, I want someone who loves their job, who's productive and motivated to be caring for me if I would ever need that type of care, but yet we don't pay them. And I just wanted to end the segment with this by saying with stagnation and income equality, it destabilizes um it destabilizes our economy and our democracy when people aren't making enough money to spend and put that money back into the economy. It, ho- it, it, it hurts all of us. So I think that with the Fair Wage Act, um, you know, I've been supportive of the movement from the beginning. They've made a lot of progress since 2012, which is when this um, the fast food worker strike first came about. And now it has grown into a global movement. And we've seen so many progress in 21 states um, starting this year. They all increased their minimum wage because these workers weren't afraid to go walk out of their fast food restaurants, walk out of McDonald's, come on the front lines and say, we demand a fair living wage. And they're getting it state by state. The government has, you know, the federal government has not act. We see that they're not acting, but we can act on a personal basis. Employers can act. And I think that if, if, if even if you wanted to act, you could join the movement yourself. They're always striking and you can give money um, and donate to their cause. But on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. We are going to go on a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about how you can get Cuban rum, some Cuban cigars, and everything else that's good in Cuba. Right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Let your voice be heard. 